Computer, initialize Holosuite. Welcome to another episode of The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Perry. And I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 3, Episode 20, Improbable Cause. Before we continue, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. That is correct, and as I say every single week, you should find us and follow us because we're awesome, and uh, we want to do more things with people who are listening, so um, yeah, give us a shout. Let us know what you think of our show, and uh, we'll just keep going from there. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, David, as we always say every week before we get into the actual episode and other things, how are you doing this week? Doing all right, doing all right. Uh, my poor roommate has been sick for like the last two weeks, and he went in on Tuesday to find out what's going on and they tested him for COVID and apparently he has it. I don't know if he got it from me. I mean, it's several weeks after I'd had it. He thinks I gave it to him, which is not unreasonable, but um, he also wasn't in town when I had it. So I'm not exactly sure what was going on. Um, that's been unfortunate. He's still coming through that. Um, finished watch rewatching season three of the expanse. So, you know, finished book three, watched the rest of season three. Um, they'd make a lot of changes from the book to the show, but again, it's always in the, like, like the overarching plot is the same, but the details about how things happen is very different. So for example, just real quickly, the character Ashford in the show is very different than he is in the book. And the character drummer from the show is not even in the book. Um, she's kind of an amalgamation of um, some other characters, but, uh, I, I that. yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's the show's great. The book's great. It's more like they kind of needed to streamline a few details because they were actually, you know, season one of the show is only the ha first half of the first book. And then season two was the second half of book one and the first half of book two. And season three was the second half of book two and then all of book three. So they had to get all of book three into seven episodes as opposed to like a full 10, 12 season arc. Um, but yeah, great. Love the show. Uh, it was actually at this point, my understanding is, so season four was when Amazon picked it up. So next season will be an Amazon-produced part of the show. Um, the other thing going on, uh, new video game, Fire Emblem Engage, is what I started playing this week. Love the Fire Emblem series. Wasn't sure I was going to like this new one. I mean, I've really just started it. So far, it's been fun. Um, I'll be curious to see how it goes, but... Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I've also been reading Sense and Sensibility, which is the Jane Austen novel, just for something different. Uh, jack into my feminine side for a little bit. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's been fun to read, you know, a classic Jane Austen novel. My mom, you know, was a fan of Jane Austen. Uh, I loved watching the BBC six-episode version of Pride and Prejudice. It's hilarious. If you ever want to watch some Jane Austen, the Kira Knightley version is fine, but... The BBC version, the six-episode version is of, of Pride and Prejudice is, is fantastic. Um, but yeah, other than that, just living life like normal. How about you? Um, yeah, pretty much same old, same old. Uh, working a lot and trying to uh, keep my motivation up for working out, which, you know, I've been... I'm very much aware of the fact that, you know, obviously I'm not 26 anymore and doing a lot of these <laughs> things. And, um, you know, the drive to, to do a lot of it is, is waning to say the least. And so, you know, I was, um, I was working out last week as a matter of fact, and I was just so tired and I was trying to push through the workout and everything. And I was just thinking, you know, man, you know, 10, 12 years ago, this would have been nothing. I would have just, right. you know, burned through this workout and then went on to do whatever. And now it's just, it's taking so much. And I'm always trying to find ways to, um, you know, help to maintain the focus and the drive and everything like that, you know, and switching it up so that my routine doesn't get boring and everything else. But I just have to really just accept the fact that I'm older and <laughs> that's just, there's, there's nothing I can do about that, you know? And, um, you know, there's, 
when you when you work out, there's always going to be other people around who you know they want to tell you things and you know kind of get into your head a little bit and all sorts of kind of stuff. And so there's always these questions about um, what I take, you know, because um, I'm, I'm a very large man. Okay, I, I've just always been a large man. There's just all there is to it. And so I always get these questions as to what it is I take, like, you know, and, and I'll tell people, you know, I have, you know, a one a day vitamin that I take and um, I have a, um, a a beet supplement that I really like that I take. And I mean, that's essentially it. I don't really do anything else. I mean, I have like energy drinks like anybody else would at any time, but you know, nothing else, right. but no one ever wants to believe me. There's always this <laughs> thought that I'm, you know, taking something else or injecting something or whatever. And where do I, where do I get it? And who, and I'm like, first of all, I'm not, I'm not that big. Okay. Right. I'm not, you know, muscled out muscles on top of muscles or whatever that is, you know, to, 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 in my opinion, that would make you think that I was doing that kind of thing. But I think people right. take, my overall size and stature and assume that there must be something extra. Nope. This is it. This is just, this is me. And the only, the strongest thing course through my body at any given moment is Advil. So, <laughs> you know, that, right. that's it. So, um, yeah. but that's always a fun conversation to have, especially when it's like five 30 in the morning and you're like, the last thing you really want to do is talk to anybody yeah. and there's, hounding you about what you take I'm like nothing this is me and i kind of want to thank you because you've annoyed me so much that now i have to burn off this frustration <laughs> and so now that's going to get me through uh the workout you know right. but other than that no there's there's nothing else i don't i don't do any of those things right but that was this that was this past week and other than that i have been you know still trying to make my way through um the rest of uh, the third novel of the expanse i have not gone back to watch um the uh season three yet i want to finish the book first right and then go and watch season three that's what i did um yeah, yeah. so you're you're a bit ahead of course on that that i am but hey you know that's what fine. We're, yeah yeah we're not, not a we're gonna get there <laughs> right it's not a it's right it's not a race we're not competing you yeah know? You, you're um, the one who got me into reading the books because you said you were reading. I was like, I want to do that too. So yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, and we and we still share and share and, and you know, um, for those of you who are interested, again, we have the um, uh, Fire Cave After Dark where we talk about the books and then other greater you know sci-fi stuffs and and, and tie-ins and everything else. And in fact, I'm I'm really looking forward to where we can get to a point where we can talk about both the Expanse and. Uh, the reboot Battlestar Galactica because I do feel like every time that I read it, every time that I watch it, I feel like there are so many parallels um, of that series and this one, and I really want to get into that a little bit more, but um, I don't feel like we're quite there yet. Maybe we are. Maybe you, we can talk about that and if you feel differently, because I know you've watched the series. You've watched Battlestar Galactica as well. I think you watched it. Yeah, you watched we it worked together. together. Yeah, I was so, going to say, we well, watched it together. I mean, I watched it myself, but you were the one who put me onto it, and we would talk about it at the time. Um, it's not like we were watching it episode to episode like we are right now. Like that's right, that's not right, what we no. did. But yeah, you know, we I, I watched it, and you being that being like your number one show, we watched. I watched that because you suggested it, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll definitely be talking about it more because I still stand by this, my original statement I made years ago about how it was the show that ruined me on television for like a year. <laughs> like no, like after watching Battlestar when it ended, I couldn't watch anything else because everything was crappy by comparison for like a year. So I was right. like, I I had to like my brain had to like readjust to to television and its mediocrity after right. that, you know. So, yeah. but for right now, we are not here to talk about the Expanse or Battlestar Galactica and their um, respective greatness. We are here to talk about. Improbable Cause. Very interesting episode. The 66th episode in the uh, DS9 um, uh, series. And this was the 20th episode of the third season. That's right. Yep. So, and it's a two-parter. So we're, this is just the first part, of, of course, but this is the two-parter. And an interesting fact about the two-parter is it does not... Um, it's not named. The second part is not named "Improbable Cause Part 2. It has, actually right. has a different name, but it is a two-parter episode. Right. And I, I almost feel like this is one of those episodes that kind of got them realizing um, just how powerful of a 
serialized story they could tell versus kind of those bottled clip versions that Star Trek had been so, you know, famous for right. for the longest time. Yeah. So I really feel like this kind of clued them in there. So we're going to get into it. Um, but before we do, of course, we always like to give a quick recap summation of the episode. Uh, David, do you want to do it or do you want me to do it? Ah, you should do it this time, I think. Odo is very prominent in this episode. So let's give you... Yes, he is. Give it to you. And yeah. I love Odo. I love Odo. <laughs> so I will keep this brief, um, of course, because we have a lot to talk about. Um, so basically, the episode starts with Julian and Garrick having lunch. And Julian is just wolfing down his food, of course, while Garrick is just kind of going on and on about whatever it is he's, you know blabbering about there he makes a comment about the fact that julian is inhaling his lunch versus enjoying it and how there seems to be some kind of human disconnect with our eating habits how all even he notices some other humans in the area have already finished their meals whereas their alien counterparts are just kind of languishing through the the dining experience um they begin to part ways, or they do part ways, actually, and they're interrupted by Major Kira. She's asking um, Bashir some questions, when all of a sudden, there's an explosion that rocks the promenade. They, uh, Kira and, and Bashir take off into the direction of the, of the explosion, knowing that it's Garrick's shop. We find Garrick kind of bloodied on the inside, but not dead. And uh, this launches into an investigation, and they realize that someone may be trying to kill Garrick. Right. And so, of course, this leads to questioning by both Odo and Cisco, who are really just kind of already at the point of, we don't want any of your nonsense, Garrick. Just tell us what's going on. Right. right? Which is really, I, I love that because it's just like there, there's no preamble. There's no ramping up to maybe he's innocent and doesn't know whatever, but 100% no. You're in on this. We right. know already. Um, Garrick, of course, dissembles. He doesn't really tell them anything. Odo decides that he has to begin his own investigation. He um, begins doing the investigation and discovers evidence that the Romulans are behind the potential assassination right. plot. He's interviewed a couple of other people. There's a, um, a Flaxy and a very unusual looking alien. Who carries a case around that's got various um, if a mud, in it. if a if a catfish ever became a human, this flaxian is what a uh, a human a humanoid catfish would look like. But yes, keep going with with jewels with various jewels and baubles in its hair. Yeah. It was very very interesting design for an alien. I must yeah. say, like I was quite distracted by the facial features and <laughs> the too. things in the hair. Yeah, um, yeah, very interesting to look at. So anyway, Odo has basically identified this individual as an assassin, but he knows he's not the assassin that was going to kill Garrick because Garrick, again, there was an explosion versus the Flaxine who's got all these various perfumes that which, when combined in a certain way, would make for a poison. Right. So he's like, the Flaxine was going to poison you, not blow you up. Right. So they decide to follow the Flaxian to see who the Flaxian leads them back to. They don't get very far on that investigation because the Flaxian ship blows up, right. which now sets even Garrick onto alert. And in the, in the conference room, the ward room with, um, with Dax, Bashir, no Dax, Odo, Garrick, and Cisco. Cisco. Um, they're still trying to piece it together and, and, and Odo pretty much outs Garrick here and saying he doesn't, he honestly doesn't know who's trying to kill him because he would have been spinning more wild tales. And yet he clearly is kind of shooken here with the, with this recent development. Odo then makes contact with, uh, a Romulan from the Tal Shiar and the Romulan tells him that, yeah, they killed the Flaxian because they'd been looking for him for a year. Um, that the assassination of the Flaxian was totally legitimate, and they kind of make their own little in- inferences about how, you know, oh, you caught up to him just after all this chaos kind of happened here on the station, but that, of course, leads them nowhere. Odo right. makes contact with a former Cardassian informant that he had, right. who tells him that um, Garrick isn't the only person who almost, or who met with an unfortunate end, or almost did in Garrick's case, right. and that there are five other people who were also murdered, or died anyway, but yeah. all under various explainable circumstances. Right. Odo shows this list to uh, Garrick, who is elated at first, but then he realizes, you know, a little bit more about who who these people are, 
and it relaying that they were all a part of the Obsidian Order, and in particular, they were operatives under the infamous Anabrantain, right. the the leader of the Obsidian Order back in his heyday before he retired. Right. Um, Garrick then enters in a, I guess, a very covert way of uh, sending a message, contacts an elderly Cardassian woman named Mila, who is apparently Tane's uh, old maid and confidant, and she tells him that Tane's not there and that he has also gone missing. He left in a hurry. Um, Odo and Garrick then borrow a a runabout to head off to... uh, an Auburn Tain secret base that uh, Garrick wasn't supposed to know about, but apparently does anyway. And as soon as they drop out of warp in this in the system, a giant Romulan warbird decloaks over them and uh, picks them up. Right. And when they're led through the ship, they are led to none other than an Auburn Tain, who has now apparently made uh, friends with the Romulan Tal Shiar. Right. Um, he basically says, yeah, I'm glad that you found me because that saves me the trouble of having to send someone else to kill you. Um, they do their little bit of sparring back and forth until finally, you know, Garrick reveals that the whole reason that he's out here was to try to save Tane. He thought he was in trouble and could need his help. Tane believes him and decides he's going to let Garrick go, but he's got to keep Odo. Right. And then Garrick... He offers Garrick the chance to join him again, at which point Odo tries to warn him, but Garrick doesn't care, and he now um, enlists back with Tane, and that's essentially how the episode ends. With Odo is now in custody, and and Garrick is now back in the Obsidian Order and back working for Inabra and Tane. Yeah. And that's where we're at. Exciting stuff. So that's it. That is the that is a quick summation, I would say, for this episode. A lot of other details, of course, we're going to get to all those. And, of course, if you want to watch all of it and know the full story, go watch it. You can watch it right now on Paramount Plus and know the whole thing and then come yeah. back and join us. Yeah. But you can't if you're you can't if you're watching us live, unfortunately. But I mean, <laughs> otherwise, otherwise you can do that. Right. <clears throat> so first question, as always, what did you think of this episode? Um, I, I like the fact as you were kind of hinting at as we started up that, um, this episode has ramifications outside of the regular hustle and bustle of everyday life on Deep Space Nine. Like the last episode, you know, Cisco is taken to the mirror dimension, but none of the events that happen there necessarily have anything to do with even our, like the only thing that ever happens in our views on our universe is him being captured by the alternate Odo, I'm sorry, alternate O'Brien. That's yeah. the only thing we see in our our universe. So the fact that um, this is it's this is tying in a lot of lot of uh, factions. We got the Romulans. Mm-hmm. The Romulans had been in uh, working been working with the Federation on the the Defiant. The Defiant had the cloaking technology from the Romulans. The Romulans had information from the Federation about their trip to the Gamma Quadrant at the beginning of this season that went so terribly. Uh, they are now in working with the Cardassian Obsidian Order, not the high, not the, the, um, the, the lead, uh, the military arm. What's the, the, um, not the Obsidian Order, but, uh, the, just the Cardassian government. The, well, uh, yeah. What's the, the, the high something, the high, anyway, Inquisitor. No, 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 no. The, the, the military arm of the Cardassians, the ones that... Um, the Central Command. Yeah, yeah, yeah there That's you go. I'm sorry, called. I couldn't That's say That's what we ever called them was the Central Command. Yeah, I couldn't think of it. But, like, an Auburn Tain is very dismissive of Central Command. He's like, they're going to have a war on their hands whether they like it or not. Like, we're not... We don't care what they have to say about this. We, the Obsidian Order, are taking the initiative. Um, so we have the Federation. We have the Romulans. We have the Cardassians. We have... Um, the fact that Odo is a changeling, you know, Cardass- uh, 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 Tane says to Odo, like, hey, it's your people that are in charge of the of the uh, the Dominion, so got anything to say about that? And he's, you know, he's tight-lipped about it. Um, so yeah, this episode really sets up a lot of stuff. We could, or we could, I mean, the fact that the Cardassians and the Romulans are about to make some sort of kamikaze attack into the Dominion, I mean... If they supposedly have the Federation's information on what happened, in the in the first episode where the Dominion came through, that was like the end of season two, like the last episode of season two, um, where the the um whatever the 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 
enforcement arm of the Dominion is. I forget right now the the Jem'Hadar. The Jem'Hadar. The Jem'Hadar captures Cisco, and at the end of that episode, we learn not only had they been trying to infiltrate our side of the wormhole, but they already have infiltrated it. They mm. can overpower, um, you know, like uh, containment fields. All they have technology that is fan- that is powerful. In the very next episode, we have the Federation. A galaxy class starship like the Enterprise going across the, the wormhole and, and the Odyssey gets blown up. Like if the Cardassians and the Romulans are going to start taking the fight to the Dominion, either they have technology that is outside the realm of what we've seen before, or they have enough of whatever they think they have that they can just by force of numbers try and win something. And so, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, because this is this is great. What you were yeah. saying is great because there's so much I want to tell you right now. Yeah, <laughs> and then of course the biggest thing is that they are making all of these moves without you know working with say the Federation. The Federation are the ones who have already made you know attempts across the you know the wormhole. So maybe we should get the, the Federation in on this. You know, it's better to have everyone on this side of the of the wormhole working together than you know keep them the Federation out of it. Uh, the uh, the, um, our, our, uh, dang it, our, our group, not the Cardassians, um, the people the whose Romulans. planet, not, no, the people whose planet were surround, were Deep Space Nine orbits, um, Bajor, Bajor, the Bajorans, Bajor, the Bajorans, <laughs> so many names, so many characters to keep in mind, the Bajorans, why I love it. yeah, the Bajorans aren't even involved, now, of course, a few episodes back, we'll remember, that the previous thing that the Romulans attempted was actually blowing up the wormhole. Their their thought was like, hey, let's just end the threat, blow up the wormhole, we'll blow up Deep Space Nine as a part of that to cover our tracks, but that failed. So, um, yeah, my point is there's a lot going on. We have a lot of potential conflicts between a lot of different groups, um, and it's fantastic. We have a lot of options for things to really blow up in our faces. You're absolutely right. And like there are so many things that you just hit on, and there were a couple of holes in there that, while your continuity is correct, I'm just going to fill in a couple of things. Sure, okay? yeah. So, as you said, as we remembered back in Season 2, when the when we first got wind of the Dominion and their potential threat to uh, the Alpha Quadrant, and then, of course, we see here at the beginning of Season uh, 3, where we get the Defiant, and... Um, the Defiant has entered into this partnership with the Romulans and uh, in, in, ex- in order to get an exchange of information. And uh-huh. so we know that those first bit of reports are getting to the Romulans, and Auburn Tain even says so here. Now, one thing that we should not forget also was that the Defiant was stolen by Thomas Riker, remember? Right. In the episode Defiant. That's right. And when... And when Thomas Riker stole the Defiant, he was operating for the Maquis, and they were heading towards a, a, a sector of Cardassian space where there was a proliferation of ships and weapons buildup. Yes. So he claimed. They had no proof of this, right. but that's what they were claiming, and they were doing all these first strikes because they were convinced that the Cardassians were going to try this massive offensive against the Maquis and wipe them out, and that's why they wanted the Defiant to stop them before they could. When right. they arrived in that sector of space, they were met by Cardassian warships that were totally unrecognizable by Gold Ducat and the rest of the Central Command. They didn't know about any of these ships, remember? Right. And those ships were also very powerful. Yes. They were more powerful and more well-armed and better equipped than the ships that uh, Ducat had. Right. Okay? Right. So now, if you piece it together, we can kind of see... This is what the Obsidian Order was doing. They had gotten their information from the Romulan Tal Shiar about the Dominion, and both sides had decided to join up. The Obsidian Order, the Tal Shiar, had decided to join forces and create a force of ships in order to go into the Gamma Quadrant and wipe out the Dominion. Now we see that plan coming into fruition here. Those same ships that were being built in that episode are now here in place to go and do this strike. So that's that bit of the serialization that I feel like they were tapping into here. Um, So even for a two-part episode, it really links back to um, other episodes, other things that we know from the development of 
just watching the show yes. again from the defiant to the defiant being stolen like all all those things we watch the odyssey blow up we know that the dominion is a new threat we know that that threat scares the romulans they tried to blow up the station which we sh- we saw in the episode visionary with o'brien and the, the two o'briens jumping back and forth through time um you know all of these things have now led to this the the tal shiar tried to destroy the wormhole they failed now here is their second attempt in conjunction with the obsidian in order who's been building ships since the beginning of season three right for this so it's all coming together all the pieces are here for this major offensive and of course we're left with the question of one what's garrett gonna do now that he's joined back up with the obsidian order and two what do they want with Odo? Why was he willing to let Garrett go? He told him where his runabout was and everything. Right. But he was going to keep Odo. Why? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's the obvious that if Odo is a changeling, and the changelings are the leaders of the of the Dominion, good to have a specimen on hand so we can figure out what kind of things they can do. I mean, the first yeah. question that we would say in a in proposition to you know saying, hey guys, this might be a bad idea is it seems that the Dominion is able, because of their changeling infiltrators, they can infiltrate almost any society they want. Um, they are they can, as we saw in the episode where the, the changeling woman impersonated Kira, they're able to perfectly imitate people. Where Odo has trouble, she could do it, and convincingly for the longest time. In fact, she didn't convince, she didn't lose Odo's trust because of her failure to produce on a physical level Kira, it was that she said, I love you back to Odo when he professed love of her. And he was like, wait a minute, she wouldn't do that. Um, so that's the first thing I would say to like the Obsidian Order and everyone else. Be like, hey guys, there's a very good possibility that they know every move you're about to make. <laughs> they got you on lock. They, In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if, if an Aubrantain himself isn't a changeling. Like, that's how bad it is, you know, um, or that Mila was, you know, something crazy. Um, if that's the case, or if that's even an option, if it's at all possible that they might have, you know, an inside scoop on what's about to happen, then you're about to walk into a giant ambush. And you're, there's, I mean, there's only one way, you know, the, the wormhole is the only entrance into the into the gamma quadrant you know if you want to attack something you would hopefully want the ability to you know to strafe you know to to encapture to pin you to pincer movement you want to have multiple angles of attack you only got one (laughs) in this case and uh if they can in any way stop you from getting back to the wormhole to escape you're all cap you're all cut off let me put this way on a military level, this is a huge gamble. And an Aubrantain yeah. says this is his re he's reintroducing himself into Cardassian society. He doesn't want to go back yes. to retirement. Like this is him coming back. And in fact, the reason he sent all those assassins against all those other Cardassians that um, Garrick recognized was so that he didn't have any rivals. <laughs> he was taking right. out all of the, his competition in preparation for returning to the Obsidian Order. And, and um, also anybody who could anybody could have any who could have any potential leverage over him. He was exactly, trying to get rid of them. Exactly. He didn't want anybody coming up and being like kind of like what Garrick was doing, which was you know saying, "Hey, you know, I'm I, I want to be back. I, I want to be back too." You know, You're he right. was he was getting rid of all of those people. Right. So he wanted to come back to the Obsidian Order, back to Cardassian society in a really big and powerful way right. and this is how he was going to do it he was the 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 hero the liberator the um destroyer of the doom that they didn't know was coming right you know and that that was going to be his or his his big thing here so yeah he's um he's definitely got a, a lot of ambition in this bold strike to get back into uh cardassian society and right. it's interesting that he's partnered up with our pointy-eared friends, as Garrett <laughs> calls them at one point. Yeah, which is a great moment. That's what we can talk about that. Uh, uh, an Auburn Tain turns to Odo and 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 deftly breaks down that insult. He wants me to either defend them, which you know makes it still awkward for us, or he wants me to leave the insults up and place um, you know doubt between. Like e- either option, he gives me in response to him is a bad option. So the better option is to break it down for Odo and for us, the audience and basically refuse to, to answer, uh, 
Garrick's insult. Right, um, refusal to play his game, yeah. but exposing it, exposing it all the same. Exactly. Yeah, in Auburn, I'm, we got to say this: we've ha- we've met in Auburn before, but mm-hmm. on our second, uh, the second time we meet him, he's already a fascinating character. He yes. can he can put Garrick in his place. Garrick is seemingly worshipful of this guy. He wants to save his life. Um, there's been insinuation that in that episode we first met an Auburn Tain, that Auburn Tain might even be his father. I mean, at the very least, he, I mean, Garrick dissembles at first and says he was an advisor. And then Odo mm-hmm. says, no, you were his protege. <laughs> yeah. You were like his number one tut- tutor or tut- uh, tutelage tut- tutor. Anyway, student. Tutee. Is Tutee. that it? <laughs> you, you were, he was, he was your mentor. You were yes. his mentee. Exactly. There was definitely, he's right. Odo does, you know, basically intimate that they had a very close relationship. Right. Um, you're, we, we're not told obviously exactly the closeness, but even with, you know, if you put it, if you put it together, the way that, the way that we have seen Tane in the past act around Garrick and now plus the, the Mila implication. I mean, she's she's a older woman, very fond of of Elam, and uh, something about the way that she talked to him. I would have believed that she was his mother. Yes, and yeah. so, uh, so yeah, I could see that. I mean, she's and he and the way that Garrick describes her, she's Tane's long-time maid and confidant. Right. A spy master has a long-time maid and confidant? Years. Really? Yeah. Right. Something else is going on here yeah. for yeah. sure. If we, were to, if we were to try and peel back this onion a little bit, we could say it's probably true that an Auburn Tain, even if he's not married to Mila, had a child with Mila, and that child is probably Garrick. And um, yeah, so at the end of this episode, when Garrick accepts Tain's offer to stay and like re- you know, rejoin him. I won't forgive you, but I will try to forget is what Tane says about the betrayal you gave me. And I think Garrick says, I didn't betray you, at least not in my heart, Um, Mm -hmm. which is an interesting response. Like he admits that he did betray him, but he didn't feel like it was personal. Like what's, what's going on there? Um, So, so we need to, I would love to know that story. Like what is the betrayal? Right. What is it? I mean, he just he says it. If you hadn't betrayed me, we would you would have been one of the greats, you know. So it's just like, well, what did he do to betray an Auburn tank? Because again, they're they're both spies, and you would think that in their line of work, some kind of double cross was probably inevitable. Right. And um, for it to be at such a personal level that Tain is refusing to uh, forgive this right. this thing, then. I would just love to know what it is. Did he did he murder someone? And I feel like it, it's not murder. Like I, I think that's the thing we always jump to because in our view, it's such a serious you know offense to commit. But I just don't feel that from their interaction. I don't think that he murdered someone or anything like that. I think he did something else that I think he's the reason that Tane had to go into retirement. Yeah, that seems to like, be Yeah, possible. like they they talk about it. They talk about it and well, you know, we can clearly see that Tane wants to be back in charge. And 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 Garrick says that Tane is directly responsible for his exile. Right. But it wouldn't surprise me at all considering how we've seen the Cardassians react and how they're they're so into one-upping one another that in the same moment that Tane exiled Garrick, someone else came along and kicked out Tane. Right. I and It's interesting because uh, Garrick says that an Auburn Tane is the only leader of the city in order who ever lived to retire. So maybe that's exactly right. Maybe what Garrick did, that whole betrayal but not in my heart, is yeah, he forced Gar- uh, Tane to retire. But he was mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you can either die or retire. And um, Garrick thought that retirement, I mean, at least you're still alive to make a comeback, right? As opposed to, you're dead. And Tane is like, no, I, I want to go out like a man, go out like every other leader of the Ossidian Order, and if I can't defend myself, then that's on me. Not you make some sort of play on my behalf that ends up with me having to whittle away with my next ten years right. of my life. Um, and the humiliation of being the only member of the Obsidian Order to retire right. versus die in the line of duty, which, you know, they, again, it's 
it's an odd honorific from our standpoint, but yeah, there are so many people who committed to their jobs like that, right. especially those kind of those types of professions. We can imagine that there's this this need to do it until you die, right. and so to be a person who was retired out mm-hmm. could be the thing that makes him yeah. makes it here's your severance package, Tane. Yeah, like yes. that's that's more of an insult than someone like doing a, like a a hostile takeover or something. Right. Know? Killing um, him. Yeah. Killing him in his sleep even. Yeah. You know. Exactly. So, yeah. so um That's that's what I would like to think that it is that whatever it was that Garrick did, it forced um Tane to have to retire, but before Tane retired, he forced Garrick into exile. Right. And that's why Garrick is where he is. And now of course the next question is when Anabrin Tane offers Garrick the chance to rejoin him, is Garrick, for uh, they can't trust each other. Is an Auburn Tane just trying to keep Garrick close? Is he gonna, you know, just relish the backstabbing at some point in, in the next episode? Is there gonna be a moment where an Auburn Tane says, "I'm so glad you stuck around because now this means I get to betray you even harder than you betrayed me." Like he just just drives the knife home, or is Garrick gonna either have like a? Is he gonna turn out to be some sort of, you know? True, you know, white heart, true hearted. He's have some moment of like clarity where he turns on uh, an Auburn Tane for a second time. Is he gonna, you know, have a, a moment of you know moral crisis, um, or is he gonna try and backstab Tane before back Tane can backstab him? Like, there's so many potential options for how <laughs> their relationship could go, and having a nice, amicable, you know. Renewal of their relationship does not seem possible at all, <laughs> and so something's yeah. got to give. <laughs> well, and I, th- and I think that's true. Uh, you know, even for for us, you know, like yeah, I'm sure there are things that we think about, like past relationships, professions, whatever. That when we look at them, you know, nostalgically, we're like, oh, that. Well, that was such a great job, or that was such a I had, this. This was so wonderful. If I could ever right. return to that. I would do so in a heartbeat. And that's what we kind of see with Garrick here. He jumps at the chance to be back working with Tane again. Right. But, you know, I mean, that's a, there's a lot of time. A lot of time. And people grow and change whether they want to or want to acknowledge it or not. You change. Right. And so going back into that, while at first may seem very fun and very exciting and like you didn't, you know, you didn't miss a beat, there will come a point where you're just like, I can't do this anymore i'm not that person and i think that you know garrick will have because have those kind of moments we've seen him change um already just in his dealings with cisco and the rest especially with bashir that i don't think that he totally has the desire to become a spy master again right yeah but that's just me that's the question that's the question though is is that I mean, so let me put it this way. If we know that Garrick, you know, if we know the show, the rest of the show is already out, we know that Garrick is probably going to return to his role on Deep Space Nine, then uh, we know that things are going to have to go a certain way. But if we're watching this for the first time without any knowledge of the future, yeah, this... No, I'm not. So, so I'm just, I'm, I obviously I have watched the show a bunch. Right, I right, know no, yeah, what yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not, I have, in my opinion, I have not said anything that should tell you one way or another. Oh, no, you haven't. You haven't. Ready to happen. You haven't. Yeah. My, my point is, is that, um, my point is, like, just watching it for the first time. Yeah. Like, uh, let me, like, I know Worf will join the show at some point in the future. That gives me insights into, okay, Worf on, on TNG and all the movies. Maybe something will happen there that puts him in a position where change is necessary. Whatever. My point though is, is that if you were watching this the first time, as you did when you didn't, when it was new and fresh, oh. it was new. The episodes were just coming out. I, I can precisely remember what I was thinking when I watched this episode. I was pissed off at Garrick because he just <laughs> he he threw Odo, Odo under the bus, and yes. Odo was now trapped. I was so upset, and I was just like, I can't believe. And after all the stuff that we know about Tane, he's going to shake his hand and yeah. go back to working. And you know, the other thing is. Garrick had annoyed me the whole episode. And in watching it again, <laughs> I remembered some of the things that annoyed he annoyed me. me. 
and one of and, and so and that's that's another reason why like I, when you asked me I, I re, or when you said that I remembered it so well because I was annoyed with him the whole episode he kept saying things and doing things that were just frustrating like when he talks about Bashir wolfing down his food you know and I was just like yeah like I I knew people who ate like that you know and it, it didn't phase me that much then, but even now watching it again, I was just like, yeah, you know, there's still a lot of people who either way. And then, of course, there was the the story of the boy who cried wolf. Yes, and his, oh, great And the line. answer great that moment. he gave yes. absolutely kills me yes. every time because yes. as many times as I've heard that fable, <laughs> I had never thought of that yes. until he said it in the right. episode. And I, re- I remember the first time he said it and me watching it going like, Damn, that's that's. I mean, it's perfect. Yes, it's, it's a great, great twisting of the. So do you? This, yeah, do you it. want to say it? I was, no, do you, you want me you to do it? it. Okay. It's your episode. You tell us the right. story. He, as he, yeah, okay. Yeah. So this is shortly after the explosion, and uh, Garrick is in sick bay, and he's getting fixed up by Doctor Bashir, and uh, you know they've Cisco and um, uh, Odo have just left. And they had been asking him a bunch of questions and everything else, you know, and he wasn't giving them any kind of answers and all that. And then they they had left. And so then uh, Garrick is talking with Bashir and he's like, it's so frustrating that no one believes me even when I'm telling the truth. And so Bashir says, do you know the story of the boy who cried wolf? And he's like, no. And so he, Bashir then begins to tell him the story of the boy who, you know, he's guarding the sheep and he's bored out in the field guarding the sheep. So he starts yelling for a wolf so that the people come out and they you know, or with him and everything, so he's not bored and lonely. And, of course, there is no wolf. So they, he tells the people that he frightened the wolf away, and they celebrate him for his heroism and bravery. And Garrick says, oh, clever lad, you know, what else? And he's and uh, Bashir's like, I'm not done. And so then he tells them, yeah, the boy did this the next day and the next day and the next day until finally people just weren't showing up. And so then one day a wolf really did show. And as much as the boy screamed and hollered about the wolf, no one came to help him. And the wolf ate the boy and the flock. And uh, Garrick was like, that's a horrible story to tell children. And and he's right. And Bashir was like, what the point of the story is that if you lie all the time, no one will believe you even when you're telling the truth. And Garrick's like, are you sure that's the point of that story, doctor? And he's like, yes. What else could it be? And real quick, Garrick's like, but you should never tell the same lie twice. It turns around (laughs) and walks out and Damn it if it doesn't make perfect sense. It does. It's a uh, moment. You're like, he's got a point. It's not that the boy he, wasn't twisting his story around a little bit. It's that he got, no. he re, he used the one lie out. He wore it yes, out. Yes, he wore it out. <laughs> he told it over and over and over again. And they stopped showing up. And I mean, it's perfect. But, you know, like, I hated it so much because I remember hearing that story as a kid. Mm-hmm. You know? And mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a lesson about, you know, always telling the truth and, you know, only shouting during an emergency and all these things, you know, but never once did anybody ever say anything remotely close to that until this damn Cardassian comes into my life and says it. And I just, I can't think of anything else. It's like this episode, because of that very moment, is something you should never show children because as soon as they hear it, they'll be like, that's right. (laughs) Right. Now they learned. Yeah. Now valuable lesson. Got to be a little more inventive with my lies every time. Yeah. Oh, and then something goodness. else Garrick says later on when the in the scene where um, when when Odo confronts him about legitimately not knowing who is uh, trying to kill him, and wow. Cisco's like, "How do you know that he he doesn't know?" And he's like, "Because if he knew, he would be spinning you all these conjectures and stories and lies and everything else." And Garrick says, "Well." I always figured that telling the truth was for something along the lines of a person who has a severe lack of imagination. That's exactly right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's it's perfect, and it's just like the man has absolutely no guilt. Yeah. No remorse for drawing people into and quips for everything. Yes, and it's just ridiculous. Yeah, Garrick. I mean, yeah. this episode really kind of is the Garrick episode in a lot of ways. I mean, we've had yeah. Garrick central in episodes before. Like the previous time I could imagine was when you know Bashir had to pull out the implant that like numbed painful sensations, which was supposed to be originally an anti-torture device. You know, if you ever got tortured, this would prevent you from 
uh, feeling it, and uh, it stopped working, and it started doing the opposite. It was actually causing him pain now. Um, mm-hmm. But it's Garrick is usually he's usually not lately like, like the main focus. He's he's a focus, but usually there's one of our other main cast who is the focus. And it's always usually both Bashir. I was actually very happy when it turned into an Odo Garrick episode. I was like, yeah, Bashir has worked with Garrick enough times that it's good to have someone else be the the other character to work with him. And it's 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 a profound credit to both Renee and um, Andrew Robinson that they work so well together. Right. And I don't know if it's just my extreme like of Odo and Renee a version more. I, I don't know, but I swear that the man could be in a scene with just about anybody and it Whoa. works. He does so well. Well, what's so great about you know? this episode, I think in part is he actually turns into a detective this episode. He figures stuff out. He nails Garrick to the wall several times with the whole mm-hmm. line about, yeah, he's not, he doesn't know what the truth is because if he did know, he would be trying to say something. He's the one who figures out that um, Garrick blew up his own, blew shop. Up his own shop. And he did mm-hmm. it because the guy who was after him, he recognized, was coming to kill him. But that guy does poison, not the other way around. Uh, this and the blowing up of his, uh, his shop got Odo involved because if he had went to Odo and said, there's an assassin after me, he, Odo wouldn't have taken him seriously. But blowing up his shop got Odo invested in the story of, oh, he's trying to be assassinated. I got to figure out what the truth is. And Odo figures all of this stuff out. And it's great because Odo, he's been a detective before, but never in such a Sherlockian you know, that was what we thought the truth was, but it turns out the truth is actually something else. Yeah. Um, you know, turning and those are definitely the moments where Odo shines. When yes. you get to see him. I mean, that, that's even a callback to, you know, our season one noir mm-hmm. episode that we oh, talked about yeah. so much, you know, and, and Odo yeah. was, I mean, he was so great in it. And then we get to see that again. And it's just, it goes, it's a great credit to everybody across the board, the actors, the directors, the writers, they really nailed this character and communicate these aspects of him so well. Um, but he works in these scenes. So he's got his clandestine meeting with his shadowy informant. Yeah. We only get to see the eyes of, you yes, know, he's got those kind of connections. want to ask so many questions like, Oh goodness. Who is <laughs> yeah, this person? You know, who well, is it? And, yeah. and that guy's voice, like it's, I mean, I to, I'm going to tell you, to this day, I don't know who that is, but I know that he has been in other Star Trek stuff before. I would have to do, like, my own, like, I guess, personal deep dive and just, like, right. watch and listen. I mean, I guess I could do the easy thing of looking it up. But well, I don't want to look it up. I can do it I right wanna... now. I have the see, name right in see, front of me. See, you're a cheater. Well, I you're mean, I'm on Wikipedia. I was going to say there's another reason I'm, I'm going to talk about this, but... If you oh, okay. Know. Well, no, no. Go ahead. Cool. I will. I will still go back and do it anyway. But go ahead. Who well, my, is he? My point is not who he is, but uh, why I was looking at the cast list because it turns out the director of this episode was Avery Brooks. Yes. So yes. Not you were just saying that like the directors and the writers did a great job. Well, in part, it was Avery Brooks who was Avery directing Bro- this of course. episode. Should have um, known. Should have known. But yeah, the uh, <laughs> the actor who did this. I'm not going to say his name if you don't want to know, but. Um, I don't. He did do other Star Trek stuff, so you are right. I know that he did because yes. I know because I that voice was enough for me that even, I know I I should have probably already looked it up or whatever, but I know I've heard him in yeah. other Treks before. I think he's in Voyager mm-hmm. yep. as something. I think his voice is in Voyager at least, and um, yes, I don't know in, about next generation. He was in Voyager, Enterprise, and I guess the movie is Insurrection. The movie Insurrection. Okay. Um, again, I'm not going to say any details if you want to find out for yourself, but, um, yeah. So, wait, right. okay. So he was in Voyager Enterprise. Okay. So yeah, I, I knew, I knew the Voyager one. I'm yes. not sure about the Enterprise one. Cause, um, I don't know. I'd have to, I have to think about it. Well, it I bet looks I could like place he's, it. he's just done, you know, one episode, um, appearances in those, but, um, okay. yeah, actually it looks like this guy also makes another appearance in Another another season of Deep Space Nine. Again, I won't go into any details, but he's okay. going to reappear. I don't know if it's the same character or what, but we're going to see him uh, next season. It looks like if I if I'm okay. getting the timeline correct here by looking at this. Okay. But um, yeah. Well, okay. So I was going to say I know that I've heard him before. Mm. I can't. I just couldn't place exactly where. But I mean, hey. Right. Um, 
But yeah, he, he delivers so well, even for the brief bit of him that we get right. in this uh, episode, you know. So, um, but again, it all just goes back to um, Odo being a fantastic character, right. um, played expertly by Renee. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, he just, he does his scene so well. I love the scene where, you know, it's Garrick and Tane and Odo, and Odo is just like totally disinterested in them and they're doing their little banter back and forth and even calls them on it. He's like, you guys go through so such great lengths to hide what you mean that you end up saying nothing. (laughs) And he's just, he's so bored with them and kind of annoyed. And uh, Tane's like, yeah, he's, he's good. He hides his feelings very well. You know, (laughs) it's like, he does, he does. And that also, you know, is something that um, Garrett tried to um, call Odo out on when they were in the shuttle and he was talking about uh, when Odo was kind of laying into him about the importance that Anabrin had to Garrick. And then Garrick turned it around on him a little bit. And he was just like, you know, you you act like we're just people that you that you study, that you're above us or whatever. But um, you're assigning a lot of emotions and connections to my stuff with Tane, but you don't have any of that. Right. Or do you? Mm. Is there someone that you're particularly fond of, close to, yeah. whatever, trying to get out of it? And of course, now we all know yes. who it is. Right. But Odo, he plays it so well. He's like, there's no change in his facial expression, nothing. And then right. even as Garrick is just right up in his face, he tells him, you know, he's like, if there were, I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't tell you. you. Yes. He's like, Great. yes. And I love Great. that scene, too. I'm glad you brought it up because I love how Garrick, as soon as he's done kind of being intimidating kind of snake-like you know getting in his face as soon as he's done doing all that he pops back up with his big fake smile and he's like hey i forget what he says but he like walks he says off that would be a wise decision is right what he says. yeah he, he immediately goes back into oh i'm just a harmless little old tailor i ain't got nothing to worry about don't worry about me um yeah it's <laughs> garrick is hilarious like that um yeah this episode had a lot to give us um, I feel yeah. like it's been a little bit since we've gotten some of some of these higher higher notes. Uh, O'Brien, I don't remember O'Brien really being in this episode. Dax was not. He's in it. Much. A, he's in it a little bit. He's there when they were doing the initial investigation after right. the shot blows up, and he comes back when he tells Odo that he input the uh, tracking device in the Flaxian ship, That's right. which of course we then see blows up. But yeah, we don't see him um, after that. Right, and then. Dax is only in the one wardroom scene. Right. And I think she even has like one line in that scene. So really nothing much there. Right. And then Kira has an interesting scene in the beginning with, with, um, Bashir. Bashir talking about their, they've got some delegates that are coming in and apparently whatever the delegates breathe has uh, eroded the carpet. Yes. In the guest we'll have quarters. To pull the carpet out. Yeah. Yeah, but that's it. We don't <laughs> see Quark. We don't see Rom. We don't see Jake. We, you know, a yes. lot of our secondary characters, I guess, are right. not in this, but that's fine right. because we have such a great story mm. that that involves a lot of our other key characters here. Right. And we're going to, you know, we know it's a two parter, so there's opportunities there for other things. But Again, this episode to me really just kind of highlights the 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 greatness of serialized storytelling that we did not have on TV shows in the 90s at all. Everything was either like a cop procedural or a doctor procedural or whatever, and they were very much, you know, bottle episodes. There was very little that bled over into the next episode, whereas that, that wasn't a soap opera anyway. Right. Whereas with this show, especially coming from Next Generation, we have tie-ins from several different episodes to get us just here. Right. And this is what I was talking about. This is the exciting part of the show to me because we had to get through season one, season two, and now here we are towards the end of season three, and it's building to so much stuff. And everything, like I said last week, everything that we're watching now in some way ties into everything else that's getting ready to happen in, in the next in, in the rest of the seasons, four, five, six, seven, all of them, it all kind of starts here. They're laying that foundation here. And that's why I wanted to point out all that stuff about the Defiant going to the Orias sector under Thomas Riker's command. That's exactly the sector that in Auburn Tain references in this episode. He says, yeah. we've been building ships in the Orias sector for months now. That's exactly what he says. Right. 
great callback. We know that they're yes. doing it because why? Because the Defiant found the, or uh, because Cisco made contact with the Dominion and the Odyssey was blown up. Right. We like all of these notes here are finally coming together, and we're right. getting ready to see that major movement. Right. And it's fantastic. Yes. Cannot wait for season four. Like there's there's some great things to come. And these last parts of season three, don't get me wrong, right. but season four is, is, it has a great start. Fantastic start. Gotcha. In fact, I think we're going to do something special for our, when we finally get there for um, season four, Okay. Uh, do something special for, uh, for our, you know, people watching, listening, whatever it is, maybe have something great for you <laughs> for that. Cause I, I love these next bits. Right. Okay. Great. Yeah, I, I it's been I I had been thinking about the whole um, Cardassian sector that we had seen in that one episode. I didn't mention in my mm-hmm. in, uh, when I was talking earlier at the beginning of the episode. Uh, but yeah, it's it is great to see all these plot lines tie together uh, again. My favorite show in terms of like my favorite show for a long time was and even in some ways still is Person of Interest. And Person of Interest definitely does some of that. Where in one episode, this one character is introduced. And then, or this one plotline is introduced, and it's much later when we get the payoff. And that's part of the reason why I love shows like that is um, you have the real potential to like lay kind of Easter eggy type stuff that builds on itself in the show, and that's really fun. But um, the one other thing I think we haven't yet talked about, which I thought was a lot of fun, in terms of the whole Garrick, uh, who Garrick is, we start with him eating you know dinner with Bashir. And he's complaining about Julius Caesar in Shakespeare's Caesar. <laughs> yes. And how Caesar was an idiot to not expect that he was going to be backstabbed. Like, his, Garrick's yeah. outlook on life is, of course he was going to be backstabbed. Of course he's, like, he has to look, you know, watch his own back. Because that's how life is. Like, how That's stupid. how it's supposed to be. Exactly. Right. It's, it's he, not even... I believe he even... He even says at one point he was like, "You're supp- you want me to believe that Julius Caesar was this great military leader and tactician, and yet he couldn't see what was going on right under his own nose." And Bashir's like, like "That's why it's man. a tragedy." And Garrick's like, "It's not a tragedy. It's just a story of a moron." <laughs> right? He's like, "He's stupid." Right? That's what he's saying. He's not. Yeah, not a tragedy. He's just dumb. Like he's like, "I knew he was gonna." He said, "I knew Brutus was gonna stab him in the back in the first act." Right. And you know. I've gone back and read that, and I don't see it. So I don't right. know what it is that I'm missing that he noticed. Yeah. But I've tried to see it, and I'm just I, like, I don't. I, I don't personally like to think that it's just part of their banter about, you know, what's wrong with your, your culture's version of storytelling. You know, Bashir critiques, you know, the, the the Cardassians by, yeah, it turns out your murder mysteries aren't any fun because everyone's guilty. It's not who's done it. It's a, what's their reason for why they're guilty. Right. It's a long, <laughs> intricate, drawn-out story about why they're guilty. Yeah. What was it called? Um, the Never-Ending Sacrifice. He's like, yeah. all of, yeah, cause he's like, all of your stories end the same. <sighs> they Everybody's guilty, and it's just this long, steady march until someone dies, and the next family member takes their place. It's like, <laughs> yes. He's like, and is it beautiful? And it's like, and now it's boring. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah, it's great. I love the idea that um, these two guys, it, it makes sense. If two cultures met, I mean, even in Earth, on Earth, when two cultures meet, there's a lot of clash between, you know, worldviews and all sorts of stuff. But the idea that alien species would have massive ways of, you know, massively different ways of looking at life than we would. This is a great, fun way to examine how that might go. <laughs> and, and, and of course, they, of course they would. Of course they would. I mean, it's just like, it's so obvious. And that's one thing that I, I love episodes like this for highlighting the fact that they are different. You know, Next Generation, for all of its showing of different aliens and so forth, they often have a particular fondness for human culture and human literature and know certain things about human life that to me never really made any sense. Like there's a whole, uh, there's a couple episodes where um, Sarek comes on board and they're playing music and stuff. And his favorite music to hear is Mozart. Why? Why would Mozart be his favorite? Now, now, you know, they can make all their in universe reasons for it or whatever. Of course we know that, you know, there was nothing else. They had to say something, right? right. Mm-hmm. You know, but it just, to me, it doesn't make any sense. And I like that we, you know, we've gradually moved away from that and they've given us other examples right. of different alien cultures and their 
forms of entertainment and food and so forth. And the if if there's one thing that we can really enjoy the newer Trek shows for, in particular Discovery, um, they do a lot of that. They they show showcase other races um, and their at least from the, in their cultures and so forth and their differences from humanity. Uh, they do that a lot and they mm. do it very well. Right. And so I appreciate that um, more than almost anything else because it gets boring when every for some reason Klingons are quoting Shakespeare. Vulcans are, or, you know, what's next? Vulcan singing Beyonce? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, yes. Like, yeah. they should have different culture. Or just like we have yes. things that we would pull up right. from hundreds of years ago. Why right. wouldn't they? Why did they, why did all that go away the moment that they made contact with humanity? Right. Yeah. Sorry, and, guys. We're not that great. Yeah, like, we're, well, we're just not. <laughs> it's just, it's a great example, though, of like how hard it would be to make a different culture and come up with different lines, which is why the whole wolf, you know, the boy who cried wolf, like, the Cardassian version of why you don't cry wolf is Garrick's version. It's not because yes. you're telling lies. It's because you got to change up your lies, bro. You got to spice it up, man. <laughs> you want, you want those accolades to keep coming. You got to tell a bigger and better and bolder yeah, lie next time. Exactly. Man. Yeah. It's not about, uh, yeah. So that, I learned to the... keep coming around for this wolf nonsense. Next time. Yeah. I mean, throwing a bear or something, you know? Yeah. Like, so it's, yeah. It's, a, it's actually a great testimony to how deep space nine has kind of found a way around this whole problem of, yeah, why, why is it that we're always quoting Shakespeare? Well, Garrett doesn't quote Shakespeare. He critiques it <laughs> and, yeah. and offers his own alternate versions of storytelling. And uh, yeah, that's that's a lot of fun. It's more interesting than, as you said, listening to Mozart. Mozart's lovely, but can we hear some Vulcan music and maybe I, why they I, enjoy it? I for, one, <laughs> I, for one, would love that. I would love it if, you know, when they went into, you know, a human's quarters, you know, we, you know, we have our intimate moment or whatever, right? And we're going into... Let's just say that they they did a next generation reboot, and I don't know if you remember, but there was a scene in the next generation early on, season one. Uh, Riker is enjoying some music in his quarters, and it's these ho small hollow projections of these two women dressed like um, ancient Greek, whatever's, and they're playing harps, right? boring and to me it was like that doesn't seem like the type of music that Riker would listen to to relax at all but whatever Right. but if they were to do a reboot and they were to reshoot that particular scene I would love for us to be in his quarters and he was rocking out to I don't know Ferengi trance music I or want something. Jake I, to rock out to some music Jake should be the one uh, who's rocking out to some like yeah he's got some Klingon hardcore like not the opera right. stuff that Dax listens to which is great another example of a good example of mixing it up that's but, right like, I forgot no, about that some, they brought in Klingon opera yeah, yeah let's get some Klingon like hard metal or something and Jake's right, right like Klingon Klingon death metal what does yeah. that sound like? <laughs> I would yeah <laughs> love to know if they have a version of that um, oh, I'm sure yeah I'm sure. anything like that or like ancient Vulcan uh, dance songs or something. I don't know. Right. You know, just anything that would be different, and and um, just you can make it be anything. Uh, make yeah, it be, I'm just you know, I'm just want to just hypothesize something. Like, let's have a dance, but it's not a dance where it's like the men and women dance together. They partner up. It's like two men partner up, but it's like a competition dance. You know, it's a, it's a dance off. <laughs> a dance off. It's a dance off, but it's not like the. You know, one person goes and one person goes. It's like they're both doing the same dance, like mirroring each other. And like the whole idea <laughs> is, is like whoever performs it better is like the winner kind of thing. Like that's how Klingons do it. It's not about like, you know. Oh, so the one aspect of Klingon culture where they don't beat the hell out of each other is when they dance. Yeah, it's something. I don't know. I'm just proposing something. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying that would be a fantastic take where everything else involves ritual bloodletting in some regard. <laughs> right. Here is the one thing that doesn't. Right. The well, one thing as is you when say, they hit it, the it dance floor. Like, okay, maybe I should propose it as being like a Cardassian version of dancing. <laughs> you get my point. Like, I mean, yeah. but still, I think it could. I think it could work. I think it would be hilarious. Not hilarious. Well, yes, it would be hilarious to see a bunch of Klingons dancing. But at the same time, like considering everything else to know about their culture, to see them act this way for this one thing would be great. Like a right. great way to, you know, fully round out the culture. Don't make them so one dimensional. Here is something else that adds a layer to right. them. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I think we strayed a little bit from our oh well. from our topic here, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. We're we're good. Yeah. Um. Final thoughts on this episode and any projections or, yeah, uh, predictions for the second part. 
Oh, I think I, I guess I really gave out most of them at the beginning of like, you know, this could very, very, very quickly fall apart on the Cardassians and the Romulans. And if, if our if our group of heroes from the Federation, Cisco and the others, are supposed to be our main cast, we have to imagine that something's gonna happen that involves them. They have to, you know, do something, whether it's, you know, rescue operations or or they're the, the the base, the fallback base where everyone comes to as they're trying to escape being routed by the, the Dominion. Something. Yeah. Um, they're going to be central to whatever happens next episode, and I look forward to it. Hopefully Odo uh, can escape, and um, or Garrick will let him go. I don't know. You know, something will happen where Garrick is like, I'm just I. Like, for example, I imagine Garrick will be like, of course he wasn't going to let me go. If I ever got on the runabout, he would immediately shot it out of the air. It's probably rigged already. You know, there's no way he was going to let me go. Uh, I didn't for one moment believe that was the case. I had to accept his offer. That was the only option I had, whether he might pretend otherwise or not. Um, Something. There's a lot of options we can go down, a lot of storytelling that they've set up, and uh, I look forward to finding out how they, uh, they play it out. Okay. Well, of course, you'll have to just wait until next week to tune in to see if anything that David predicted was correct. Um, before that, I always like to give a little New Trek update, of course. Um, pretty much all New Trek is over with. All their seasons have ended. We are eagerly waiting for the third and final season of Star Trek Picard to come out. They've officially announced the release date of that will be February 16th, 2023. So, of course, if you don't have it already... Go ahead, sign up for Paramount Plus so that you can get caught up and be ready to watch the third season by then. Right. Um, there has been talk that uh, a long-awaited um, new Star Trek movie is back in production. However, they're you know very tight-lipped as to what it's about, um, who's directing it, and even who's in it. I mean, we know it's going to still be focused on the original series cast, or, or at least those reboot um, characters anyway, right. but we don't know anything else about the story, the timeline, any of that stuff. There, there were several ideas that had been pushed out a long time ago, but um, nothing that says that they're going with any of them, so that could just be, you know, nothing. They could be doing something all new. Um, but the I guess the most up-to-date thing would be, of course, waiting for uh, Picard. They have released a lot of new images and stuff for that. Worf looks great. Can't wait to see him kicking butt um, here in a few a uh, few weeks, really. Like, what is it, like 20 days, I think, you know. But uh, yeah, that's about it. And as always, um, you can listen to us anywhere that you listen to podcasts. I happen to do it on Spotify. You can catch us every week also on our YouTube channel by the same name. Again, the Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. Until next week, guys, take care of yourselves. Thanks, guys. <laughs>